Hello, friends. Welcome to the seventh episode of the Schoolyard Podcast, brought to you by School Specialty. Today, we'll be talking about adaptive art, art for all students. I'm your host, Nancy Chung, a fun-loving teacher and content creator, also known as Fancy Nancy and Fifth on social media, and I'm thrilled that you're here. A special shout out to School Specialty, who offers essential educational supplies and complete learning environment solutions to help you transform more than classrooms. This is the Schoolyard Podcast, a podcast by educators for educators, where the magic of learning unfolds. Adaptive art is all about creating art that can be enjoyed and appreciated by everyone, regardless of their abilities or limitations. It's about making art more inclusive and accessible to a wider range of people. This could involve using different materials or techniques that cater to different sensory needs or creating art installations that can be experienced in different ways. Adaptive art is important because it allows individuals with disabilities or special needs to engage with and express themselves through art. It promotes inclusivity and breaks down barriers, allowing everyone to participate in the creative process. By making art more accessible, it also helps to challenge societal norms and stereotypes surrounding disability, showcasing the unique talents and perspectives of individuals who may have been marginalized in the past. Adaptive art encourages creativity, self-expression, and personal growth, fostering a sense of belonging and empowerment for all. Today, we have a very special guest who has worked over 30 years as an adaptive art specialist and art therapist. She's an expert on adaptive art. Welcome to the show, Sue Lazel. Hi. Would you please tell us a little bit about yourself um, and maybe when and how you got into art therapy? Okay. Um, I'm an adaptive art specialist, art therapist, and I worked for Milwaukee Public Schools for 30 years. And my role was to work with art teachers and special ed teachers with kids with disabilities in the arts to help them access their art making skills so that they could uh, more independently do art. I found out about art therapy when I was in a junior in high school, actually. And I had my mom was watching the Today program. And a gal named Helen Langarten came on and she was talking about a relatively new profession called art therapy. Mm -hmm. And I came out and I watched it and I got all excited and I went to school and talked to my guidance counselor Mm -hmm. and she said, well, let's check it out. So we found a couple of schools that were in Wisconsin and Minnesota that offered art therapy. And I ended up enrolling at Mount Mary College, now university. Mm -hmm. And I did my undergraduate work in art therapy. And I wanted to work with children in psychology. And uh, my advisor at Mount Mary had said, well, you're going to need to have a teaching license to work with kids in Wisconsin. So Mm -hmm. I double majored in art therapy and art ed Mm -hmm. and then graduated in uh, 1983 Mm -hmm. and went to work in nursing homes for a while because I couldn't get a teach a job as an art teacher because they didn't want to have an art therapist, Mm -hmm. art therapizing the the students. Mm -hmm. So I worked there in a residential treatment center for four years in in Milwaukee. And then uh, Milwaukee Public Schools got a grant from the Department of Public Instruction to hire eight music therapists Mm -hmm. and six art therapists to work with teachers. Mm -hmm. And so I... uh, was was hired and uh, my role was to go traveling to the different schools 
and work with art teachers and special ed teachers to help them uh, devise strategies to help their students access um, adaptive art. Oh, and then amazing. I retired yeah. in 2019 <laughs> oh, from um, from uh-huh. Washington Public Schools. Okay. And now uh, we moved to uh, where I now live in uh, north central Wisconsin, a little town called Pella, which is kind of between Green Bay and uh, Wausau. Oh, I see. Today, when you were working in the nursing homes, did you do any art with them? Oh, I was. I was hired as an art oh. therapist to do oh, oh. Um, art okay. with them. And so from working with um, occupational therapists and physical therapists, I started developing my skills Mm -hmm. to work with persons with disabilities who couldn't hold on to art tools Mm -hmm. or who couldn't um, use the weaving loom beater to to work on on their their weaving projects. And Mm -hmm. uh, and they're sitting in wheelchairs and they couldn't get up to tables. So we had to adapt it by having different kinds of um, uh, tabletop easels. Mm-hmm. And, and things. So I kind of started with that. And then when okay. I went to the residential treatment center, uh-huh. we were working with girls that had uh, more social emotional challenges. And so mm-hmm. I developed adaptive tools and strategies for that population um, mm-hmm. in my work there. Now, for the listeners who are wondering what the exact definition of adaptive art or adapted art is, can you please explain to us what that is? Well, I like to think of adaptive art as being um, how to consider accessing art making as independently as possible uh, by providing alternative art materials, such as like adapted scissors or adapted paintbrushes for like either for hand grips or for sensory issues, mm-hmm. um, adapting uh, different kinds of techniques, like when for doing um Linoleum cuttings instead of using the traditional tools that you you, you um, push the, the uh, cutting tool into it, they have tools that you pull it, and it's a lot safer. So that it's adapting a technique, mm-hmm. and then a- adapting the um, the art materials. Um, sometimes I had kids that were eating my art supplies, oh, and wow. so what I needed to do, especially like for clays and and things, mm-hmm. so then we would adapt it and maybe use a salt, flour, and water dough right. instead of using. Uh, traditional clay not <laughs> that you wanted to eat materials but at <laughs> least it was safe. a little bit safer <laughs> yes, uh-huh. yes now I think I know the answer to this next question but what are some benefits of adaptive art and who benefits benefits of the adaptive art you know strategies are that you know the students that have you know challenges either physical challenges or um, sensory issues or even, you know, emotional and social um, challenges and stuff don't always um, utilize the art tools or the art making tools in the same way as other students do. And so if you've got a tool that a student can hold on to, because maybe their their fine motor skills don't work as well, you know, as the other um, as its other students or they can't hold on to a scissors, a traditional scissors mm-hmm. and things. Um, that they can now be more independent because the tools are making a difference in how their their challenges um, have affected how they've approached art making and stuff before. Because mm-hmm. uh, so oftentimes what will happen is that the student can't cut. Well, then somebody will always cut the materials out for the students and they don't get that experience. Right. What are some challenges when it comes to incorporating adaptive art into a school? And what can we do to get past those challenges? Well, some of the challenges um, in a school are that um, a lot of the art teachers aren't trained 
to work with kids with challenges, either in their pre-service coursework and things. Um, they've maybe had an adaptive art um, workshop in, in one of the classes. Um, maybe their student teaching opportunities, they didn't have many opportunities to work with kids with disabilities. And when we're writing lesson plans, many times, um, you have to, there aren't a lot of resources. There weren't a lot of, a lot of resources available to help figure out how to, you know, adapt for that. So they're not trained on other things. And sometimes the classes are inclusive where we have kids that have challenges, you know, mm -hmm. and aren't making in with, you know, other um, typical, other typical students who don't have the challenges. So you might be creating three or four different levels Mm -hmm. of um, experiences in that same class. And it can be really overwhelming for some art teachers who have seven to nine classes a day mm -hmm. and are doing potentially three to four different kinds of activities within mm -hmm. the same activity. Right. Um, sometimes there's not enough support mm -hmm. for, um, you know, staff support to come in and, you know, help the art teacher. Right. You know, do their, uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or even like funding for the, the special um, equipment or special, you know, resources, right? Um, yes, funding can really be an issue because a lot of the adaptive tools are expensive. And right. if you're only doing them for a couple of, it's a perception, you're only doing it for a couple of students, it's too expensive. But if we include the art materials and stuff um, mm -hmm. for all the students, mm -hmm. um, then it tends to be um, more a, a better budgetary uh, focus. Right. Um, how do you, adjust art classrooms and projects so that it's fitting for all students with within a, a wide range of abilities. Now, when you were talking about like maybe possibly like doing three different types of like differentiated activities, I was imagining oh. my class, my fifth graders, and we have some students who get done in like five minutes. And they're like, what do I do now? I'm done. And then we have kids who are just barely getting started and they have no idea like how to get started because they have this fear of like, like, I'm not good at art. Like, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get started. So you have this wide range of students with different abilities. So how can we adjust uh -huh. our, our classrooms and projects so that it is fitting for all students? I think one of the first things we can do is that with adaptive tools and things, um, to have them available for all the students. So sometimes what happens is that if you've got these, like, cool tools you know, they've got different kinds of scissors or, or um, paintbrushes with some fun grips on them or the slant boards to help raise up the, the surface for, for students. Um, some of the stuff doesn't get integrated unless all the students kind of buy into it. So have it available for everybody, you know, can kind of help make that those kinds of materials more um, inclusive for, you know, for everyone. Mm -hmm. And you had mentioned like the student that maybe uh, works kind of quickly, um, an mm -hmm. art teacher might have a, um, a an ongoing project. Uh, they might have mm -hmm. like a, a weaving project in the classroom. If a mm -hmm. student needs some downtime, they can go mm -hmm. over and take a personal five-minute break and, and work on that project. Or mm -hmm. I also will think of that if you have a place in the art room where you'll have um, some paper and maybe some you know, fun materials um, mm -hmm. that the students could go and take, like a, either take a break or go over and you know, maybe it's a sensory area or something mm -hmm. that they can, can independently go over there and, you know, create a little picture, tear up the paper, do what they need to do for those couple of minutes, and then come back and get refocused um, and re-regulated back onto the, you know, activity. Mm -hmm. I love that. The independent creativity project. Um, so they're not only just working on the project that they are assigned, but they're 
thinking outside the box and having to really create their own. And I also think it's really great that you're letting everyone have access to these tools because it doesn't single out any students with special needs. It prevents them from feeling less othered. So when you like, and I'm sure yeah. the, the rest of the class, like if they see cool scissors, you know, like they want to try it, they want to use it. And you don't want to say like, no, right. that's only for this student. So, you know, I like that, uh -huh. like you mentioned over and over again, like the whole inclusivity part of that. Okay, so I don't know if you know this about me, but my background is in art education. So, of course, the art loving me wants art for everyone. And of course, adaptive art everywhere. Um, the question is, how can we bring this into more classrooms? Well, I think part of it is, you know, definitely bringing in adaptive tools, you know, so that the students mm -hmm. can access their whatever they're wanting to make because the tools are working for them. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, if you were to have, you know, grips on your pencils or you would have, um, you know, other kinds of maybe scented markers or, or things that, you know, are kind of kind of push the uh, creativity, you know, of, of a bit with your students so that they would, again, all be able to, uh, you know, create as independently, you know, as possible. Um, when you've got, um, you know, you're adapting, you know, techniques or you're adapting, um, you know, the, the media and stuff, uh, I think the, all the kids in the classroom would, you know, get into all the different kinds of things you're doing for your students that are identified as, as requiring or needing special ed tools you know, and adapted mm -hmm. tools and stuff. Um, there's a, a number of resources and stuff, you know, online. If you Google adaptive tools or adaptive art, um, mm -hmm. there are some a, a number of our activities and stuff that are listed mm -hmm. on there that other teachers are, are utilizing and having mm -hmm. success with. And mm -hmm. um, networking with other teachers, you mm -hmm. know, certainly can be mm -hmm. a way to, uh, especially in your district yeah, and beyond. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sharing ideas. Yeah, share ideas or resources. You know, that was going to be my my next question is, if you're if you're looking for resources out there, you know, I'm sure listeners, if they don't have the, sp the specific training for adaptive art, but they want some resources out there, like where can they go? Are there like I'm sure there are Facebook groups and different groups of adaptive art teachers who are sharing lesson oh, ideas, yes. um, you know, maybe oh. I'm sure there are a lot of like YouTube videos like, you know, special specially designed for this. Do you have any uh -huh. like specific resources or where people can go to access those? Um, well, one of my favorite books as a, as a mm -hmm. resource is called The Special Artist Handbook, and it's by Susan mm -hmm. Rodriguez. Mm -hmm. And it's a book that takes different art projects. And in each of the, the projects, she divides it down as to how she would adapt it for each of the different challenges that students might be presenting in, in class. So she'll take mm -hmm. a, a project such as like drawing a guitar. And so how would a person, mm -hmm. a child that has, um, you know, sensory issues or is gifted and talented or, you know, mm -hmm. um, dealing with autism or physical challenges. So, um, visual impairments, hearing impairments. And it really became my Bible as mm -hmm. I was working you know, with, with kids and stuff about just thinking how I can take a, a drawing activity and a, adapt it. How can I take a painting mm -hmm. Which and for the all the different kinds of disabilities mm -hmm. uh, that the students might present? Sure. It's called The Special Artist's Handbook okay. by Susan Rodriguez. Okay, perfect. Some other organizations, like the National Art Education Association, of which many art teachers might be a member of, um, there's a group that, that's called uh, that, that's ASE, 
is are the initials and it stands for art and special education. It's a special interest um, networking group and they have a Facebook page and uh, teachers are always putting up questions and ideas about specific either art projects or about specific student challenges. And uh, I was, I've been a part of that and they would ask why well, have a student that has this challenge and I'm wanting to do this project. What suggestions do you have? And so that's a good one. Another one is through the Council for Exceptional Children. Um, there's a, a special interest group for, for arts folks, and it's called DARTS. And it's a, it's a division of visual and performing arts education. And again, there's a Facebook thing, but that's including all the different arts. So art mm-hmm. and music and performing arts and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the perspectives are just very, very um, refreshing. And that just people just love sharing their ideas with each other. I would love to get a list of these resources that you mentioned and maybe put it in our blog description so our listeners can log on and see and and access those things too. So thank you so much for sharing those. Now, this might be a very broad of a question. What have you learned like in your in your experience of over 30 years? What is your biggest takeaway or what is something that you really learned while working in adaptive art and art therapy? The biggest thing I've learned is that there's an artist in all of my students and that mm-hmm. as long as they can you know, access and engage with uh, the art materials, they can do anything. And oftentimes it's about listening and watching and offering strategies to the students and seeing how they interact with them that drives me to come up with more ideas and stuff to help them be as successful as they you know, want to be. So it's about listening to the students you know, I may have my ideas mm-hmm. and I've, you know, been, been doing this, like you said, for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And I've got, you know, usually these kinds of strategies works for this kind of student. Mm-hmm. I'll take the ideas in and then the student will start working with it or doing something. And I'll go, oh, okay, this would be so much better. You know, that mm-hmm. I'm not the, I don't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. And by working with the student, mm-hmm. I can you know, more easily help them achieve their goals and just kind of be mm-hmm. that support person. And when I back off mm-hmm. a little bit, uh-huh. And let them lead me. I love that. And I'm sure each case is very different. Each person, each student is very special, like very special and unique to what their needs are yes. and what brings them, you know, therapy and, and relaxation and right. Okay. So you have to tell us, what are your three favorite must-have adaptive tools? Well, I think that to have must-haves for ad- adaptive art, I think that one of the first things you need to have is a um, adaptive scissors like some kind of a, a loop scissors or another tool, scissors that, you know, the student can independently use. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I think you need to consider is being able to grip and hold on to drawing, uh, drawing pencils or colored pencils or markers or paintbrushes. Mm-hmm. And uh, kind of a home device would be to take a milk carton, cut the handle off of it, and then you can put your crayons or your markers or any of your tools into the milk carton grip. And then the uh-huh. students can utilize that to draw or paint. Now, if perchance the uh-huh. tool doesn't fit in there real good, my mm-hmm. third favorite tool is masking mm-hmm. tape. Because masking, masking tape, tape. Regular good old masking tape. <laughs> good old masking tape. Mm-hmm. You can wrap it around the art tool if it doesn't fit real good mm-hmm. in your milk grip. And you can you know put mm-hmm. it in there so it, it sits in there really snug. Mm-hmm. You can use the masking tape to hold down the papers mm-hmm. on the uh, the work surface so they're not shifting around mm-hmm. for the students. 
Um, you could even take um, newspaper and wrap that around your drawing or painting tools and using masking tape to hold it on to build up that grip so the student can draw and paint and do all different kinds of art activities because they can hold onto the tools. Oh, I love that. Okay, so all of these three items, they're not super expensive and they're readily available and, and ready to ready to use. Well, thank you for sharing those three yes. items. Um, okay, so I heard through the grapevine that you have a very impressive adaptive uh, scissor collection. Okay, I can only imagine what kind of art collection you have, but a very special scissor collection. Could you please tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I have over 72 different kinds of adaptive scissors. Wow. Um, I've, been, <laughs> I've been collecting them forever. Mm -hmm. And with them, they are um, different. And sometimes it's about how large the handles are mm -hmm. on the, the, the scissors. Because sometimes some of my kids that had a cognitive challenges, developmental disabilities have larger hands. So they need a larger grip on the scissors. Mm -hmm. um, some of the scissors have loop scissors on the loops on the back. That kind of mm -hmm. helps facilitate that open close motion mm -hmm. so that they can you know, independently cut. Mm -hmm. um, some of the scissors are super tiny. I was once working with a student that had a, a very, very tiny little grasp. And I actually got the pair of scissors out of a bubblegum machine. I spent oh four gosh. and a half dollars. Uh -huh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and of course quarters to get the little little scissors out of the bubblegum machine for one of my wow. students and they actually work yes <laughs> wow that's that's wild that is really cool I would love to see that okay yeah, someday so, I'll put the whole thing together <laughs> I know I thought I had a impressive scissor collection but it's not quite 72 <laughs> you know my husband's like how many pairs of scissors do you need I'm like you can never have too many <laughs> never never and everyone's right. so unique you know, right. it could exactly. be painted. It could be it's a different kind of a, of a from color. It could be how it feels. Mm -hmm. You know, each one has its own special adaptive qualities that uh, right. really have made it special. I know our listeners can't see what I'm doing, but I just reached over and grabbed these scissors. They're like the ergonomic scissors. One of my favorite. These are like fabric scissors, but they're my favorite. Yes. And whenever the kids, mm -hmm. my students see them, they're like, what are those? Can we try that? I'm like, yeah, it doesn't hurt your hand when you cut, you know, when you cut like, um, like thicker paper when you're cutting a lot. So right. as a teacher, this is, mm -hmm. this is great. So here's one, one pair of one example of adaptive scissors. <laughs> okay. <do> have those. <laughs> yeah, I bet you do. I bet you do. So let's say you're an art teacher who was just told that you have to teach adaptive art and you have no idea where to start. Help. Besides calling Sue, <laughs> what could they do? What could they do? <laughs> okay. Well, the first thing is network with the other art teachers in your school district that have worked with students with challenges in, in the arts because they just have a wealth of experience and, and knowledge, and they certainly mm -hmm. will take you under their wing to, to help mm -hmm. you. Um, mm -hmm. Secondly, take a, a good conversation time space and talk to your special ed teachers that are working with uh, the students and ask them the students' strengths and challenges. And I know time is of the essence, but maybe shoot them off an email and just say, you know, can you please tell me about the students in your class? What are their strengths and challenges? Mm -hmm. Considering what we need to do in art. Can they cut? Can they draw? Will they eat mm -hmm. the art supplies? How long mm -hmm. can they stay on task? Mm -hmm. Kind of develop that, that team work in the building. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the other part is, is look at, watch the students. 
You know, how are they accessing the materials? How engaged are they? What can they do? What tasks are they good at? What tasks do they need some more support with? And then keep adjusting until you and the student find the best strategies to help that student in their art making. Love that. Work together with the student, not just decide for them what's best for them, but decide with them as you experience working together. Okay, we have a segment here on the Schoolyard Podcast called Tag Your It. Our listeners write in with the question and we select one question to answer on the show. Today's question comes to us from our listener, Deborah, and her question is, as a fifth grade teacher, what are your thoughts on the one-on-one classroom and a flipped classroom for upper elementary school? So, okay, so I'm going to, I'm going to answer this part first. As a fifth grade teacher, I, my class, our school and our district, we have, we have one-on-one devices, which I love. And when uh, we were faced with the pandemic and going um, 100% into virtual learning, that made, that made everything so much easier. And um, it made the, the transition a little, a lot less seamless compared to other districts and other schools that may not have had the one-on-one device. So that was great. Um, but it always made me wonder, for schools and districts that did not have one-on-one devices, how is this equitable, right? And I was just really um, thinking a lot about how are we handling that uh, that issue of the whole equity, okay? Uh, and then on, on the topic of flipped classroom for upper elementary, from uh, from my understanding of flipped classroom, that's when the students are at home and watching lesson videos on like their teacher or um, a lot of a lot of teachers use Khan Academy. They will whatever the, the standard or the topic is, they will have the instructional videos available for the students to watch and learn at home. And, and when they come into the classroom, they will be working with the teacher uh, to actually solve problems and work out the, you know, the standards. That's my understanding. I haven't tried it yet, but I know that when we were doing virtual and hybrid learning situations, um, I was doing a lot of video lessons. I would record myself teaching. So a lot of that was already happening, uh, but I haven't brought it back into our traditional setting yet. Um, but that would be very interesting to to try. Um, for you, Sue, for an adaptive you know, artist, art therapist and adaptive art expert, can you can you see adaptive art being done kind of in this flipped classroom model? Yes, I think that there are so many different kinds of videos, tutorial videos that are online that mm-hmm. show how to do these different, you know, art techniques and things. And so if the students would go and access those, um, they could see a number of different folks who might be doing a a, a, a painting kind of a, of a project. Mm-hmm. And what's so cool about it is that it is step-by-step. Step. The students can slow it down mm-hmm. and then stop it. Right. Go at their it. own pace. Uh-huh. Yeah. Go at their own pace. And mm-hmm. then uh, as the, you know, they're, they're, they're doing it, they could even, you know, do it along with, you know, at, at, um, at their home and stuff. And then mm-hmm. when they get into the, the, the classrooms, they've seen a multiple of different kinds of experiences of how to paint a flower or whatever the thing is. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes the students need more than one uh, way of doing something. And they go, oh, aha, now I understand. Now I Absolutely. can do it. And then the teacher can support them, you know, in the classroom with any adaptations mm-hmm. uh, that mm-hmm. might help that be more successful for them. Great. Thank you. 
Well, as we just discussed, incorporating more adaptive art in schools not only fosters creativity and self-expression, but also provides a platform for students with diverse abilities to thrive and showcase their unique talents. By embracing adaptive art, schools can create an inclusive and enriching environment that celebrates the diversity and potential of all students. Teachers, please utilize your online resources and engage with social media community to access a wide range of adaptive art techniques and ideas. And please, please, please reach out to us if you need any help getting started. Sue, thank you again for being here with us today and teaching us so much about adaptive art. We really enjoyed having you here. Welcome. Thank you for inviting me. I had a great time. Thank you for joining us for the seventh episode of the Schoolyard Podcast. Remember to pack your curiosity and meet us back in the schoolyard for our next episode. But before you go, tag your it. Now it's your turn to write in with a question, which we will answer here on the Schoolyard Podcast for our segment called Tag Your It. Tag us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, or Twitter at School Specialty and hashtag Schoolyard Tag Your It with a question that you want answered. One question will be selected per episode to be answered by our featured guest and myself. And if your question is chosen to be answered on the podcast, we'll send you a very special Schoolyard Podcast t-shirt class dismissed.